Boz, how goes it, my friend? It's pretty good, Pat. You know, I've uh, been feeling pretty good. I, I have to admit, I tweaked my back just slightly on uh, workout the other day, but it's feeling pretty good now. So no harm, no foul in the long term. Just got to take it easy for a few days, but uh, pretty good. Okay, you've already gotten me off track. So how did you do it? What was, can you, can you pinpoint an actual mechanism of injury or just after the workout, you're like, eh, something feels no, weird. No, it was definitely acute during, it was the third rep of the workout. Um, nothing, it was dumbbell work, nothing too heavy. Just one of those things. Um, you know, I've had back injuries in the past and I could definitely take a look at the lead up and say, yep, I was pushing the envelope more than I should have. And there was a telltale sign, but this time, nothing. I've been feeling really good in my training and uh, the back was feeling really healthy and uh, just zigged when I should have zagged. I, I think it's one of those situations in life where you can try to analyze and um, mm -hmm. speculate and rationalize why something happened, or you can accept that sometimes things are out of your control and sometimes they don't always go the way you want them to. I, and you can move on. So I, that's what I'm I fully doing. agree. I don't, again, all right, so we'll get to this show here in a second. <laughs> yeah, but I'm feeling you know, much better, so. Good. And yeah. you know, what I also think, and I could be wrong, which happens hundreds of times a day, and somebody will let me know in the comments if that's the case. But I remember talking to somebody, you know, we meet, uh, you know, I met so many people over the course of my time doing level one seminars, it was crazy. And there was somebody who was a surgeon specifically that worked on the spine. And mm -hmm. she was like, you know, w what the deal is, is, this is obviously an oversimplification, so she could explain it to a barbarian like me. She's like, you know, sometimes there are just some things in your body, like picture like an old school metal coat hanger. I know everything's plastic these days, but a metal coat hanger where you can twist it mm -hmm. back and forth several times and everything's good and everything's good. And just for one re one day, it just snaps on that. That was just the twist that occurred. And it was it wasn't that one twist. It was the sure. 300 that you did before it. And so, you know, sometimes over the course of life and if you've had a car accident you fall down you twist you sprain something like there might be this little accumulation that you didn't even realize of all those things adding up and then one day something that appears totally innocuous happens and you're like oh what just happened to my body and and it could have yep. been what you did right there or was it the 12 years of life you know uh previous yep. to that so Anyway, well, and and yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is that usually that analogy that you've just or that that situation you just described, I can look back and say, yeah, I've been bending the coat <laughs> hanger, so to speak. But this time, I can say, you know, fully confidently that I have not. I've actually been really good, and uh, you know, I've, I've, this is something that's been ongoing for years and years and years, even before I started CrossFit, um, mm -hmm. and so. I got a pretty good self-understanding, uh, and this was one of those situations where I can't look back and say, no, I've, you know, I've, I've been twisting and turning and bending the envelope, and this was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. This was not that. All so, of your uh, joints are just too, but, too hey, flexible, you know, boss. Too flexible. Something. Yep. Should be the tin man like me. Life's great with <laughs> the tin man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. And I promise we'll get into the show. This is a topic that we're going to address today that I kind of harvested from a multi-paragraph comment that was left on very not random episode. Uh, it was about introducing new people to CrossFit. I think it was 48. Mm -hmm. The gentleman's name was John Day. Left a, uh, left a nice big long comment. Thank you for the comment. John's fantastic. But one of his comments, if I can kind of snipe some things out of it, he says that he's 
53 years old, husband, father, big fan of CrossFit, and he's only been doing it for three years, so he got into it when he was 50 years old. And he mentioned that he wanted to be very clear that, hey, there's a lot of things that I can't do given when in life I found CrossFit. Nowhere near a muscle-up, probably never will be, he says. You know, He's still working on stringing a couple strict pull-ups together even three years later. And he's like, hey, you know, there's huge benefit to CrossFit even without all of these more sexy, complicated movements. And the way that it was phrased, and maybe I misread it, it struck me that he was presenting that as if um, people were unaware of that. And I was like, man, I hope people realize that even without some of the movements that get a lot of attention on social media or the CrossFit games or make for wonderful YouTube videos and everyone tunes in to see ripped athletes walking on their hands and snatching a big weight, you can get really far without them. So that's going to kind of Mm. be the purpose of this show is, can CrossFit be done without some of the more complex movements, maybe no double-unders, no muscle-ups, no squat snatch, no handstand walking in, and is that even CrossFit? So that's the lead-in. Yeah, that, and it's a it's a great question, um, and I think you can look at that a couple of different ways. You know, obviously, if you if you have something that exists in the world and people kind of have a generally good idea of what it is, you start removing pieces of that. Eventually, you get to a point where you're like, well, it's it's no longer the thing that it was. Are we even doing the so, thing? Yes, exactly. So you could you could approach it that way, and um, you know, make a pretty argument, a pretty sound argument that, yeah, at a certain point you remove enough stuff and it is no longer CrossFit. However, I would go a little bit more broad than that. And I would ask the question, why are those particular movements important to people and why do they train them? And I'll give you a hint. It's not because they show up in competition. Although, unfortunately, I think most people, not most people, but a lot of people get lazy and they don't think about why they include certain things in their training. They just kind of monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. They see it in competition. They see that's what the athlete that they aspire to be like is doing. And therefore, they have to do it. Right. But if you take some time and you think it through, you'll find that the end state of that movement, in my opinion, has very little to do with if I should include it or not. What is important is the broad application to your fitness that that movement provides. So if we take a look at something like the snatch, for example, and this is a question I saw actually on another video, I can't remember which one, um, but the comment was basically, well, hold on a second, I take a snatch, it doesn't apply to my real life because I'm never gonna take an object and rip it off the ground and put it over my head. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, that might be true. You may never use that particular pattern, but you're missing something there. If, you're, if your definition of functional is a one-for-one impart to what I do in the gym has to map perfectly onto what I do outside the gym, you're missing the point. The point is how well does learning that skill transfer over to other things that you might have to do? So for example, um, the coordination, balance, flexibility, speed, all of those skills that you develop doing a snatch, even a light snatch with submaximal loads, mm-hmm. with really good technique and, and refining that, you know, that's going to lend itself well to reaction time outside the gym and things that are totally unrelated to a movement like the snatch. It bleeds over into so many other things that you have this huge 
bang for your buck. And that's the real utility. It's not that you have a giant snatch, it's that you have a snatch pattern that can then express itself and help other movements express themselves uh, beyond that one base skill. Well, that, so, bang, that bang for your buck that you mentioned, it, yeah. it harkens back to something you harp on every now and then, which is the minimally effective dose. And there are some That's movements right. that yeah. minimally used give you a really broad reach of what else you can do. Yeah. And so I think you can get stuck in the mind frame sometimes where you're training the snatch to get a bigger snatch. Fine. I think we all fall victim to that from time to time in, the, in our training lives. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to remember that you train the snatch to get better at other things. You train the snatch because of its utility elsewhere. And that's no different than when you start looking at some of these other skills. So you take something like a muscle up. Can you do CrossFit without ever having a muscle up? Well, of course. But the pursuit of the muscle up is where yes. the meat on the bone is. I might not ever get to the point where I can pull myself up and over the rings. That, that's irrelevant, largely. Although it's a huge success if you can get there and it's mm -hmm. fun to do and, and all that stuff. But the stretch of trying to get a little bit better in a skill that you currently do not possess, that's the real money. Because it's going to start to put those neurological adaptations, like I mentioned, you know, coordination, speed, balance, um, agility those elements are going to be taxed by you stretching yourself just a little bit beyond your current skill set. Whether or not you get to the end state isn't as important. What is important is that you're pushing yourself to learn those new things and to try to refine them. 100%. You got to stress the system. Stress the system. Right. Yeah. Get a little bit of adaptation. And, you know, I guess to just, you know, you hit it, but just to give very simple, succinct answers, even if you aren't doing all those complicated, flashy movements that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Are you still doing CrossFit? Yes, 100%. Can CrossFit be done without them? Yes, 100%. Will you still get fit? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, so that begs the question, if I can still get fit and, and do these things, why even have them in there in the first place? So, I mean, the, those movements that we mentioned, and, and you've touched on this, they're certainly included for a reason, you know, because of that coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance, and if you want to nerd out, you know, calling them the neurological components, well, there's tremendous benefit in doing them. And, and if you go back to our old episode on the 10 general physical skills, which was episode number 32, we take a deep dive into why those are beneficial to your training, what they do to your physiology, how it's really tough to fully develop power and speed if you're neglecting the neurological components. So, so without question, they're included in CrossFit and they have a place at the table for a huge reason. But if uh -huh. you have some sort of just physical imp uh, impairment, you got something going and you can't do it. Well, the good news is I think what it can be easy to look at maybe, uh, maybe through a, a, a beginner's lens is when you hear coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance, it's largely the examples that are given are the movements that I just said. You're walking on your hands. You're doing a squat snatch. It's the double under. It's the muscle up. But if you take a step back, okay, those are complicated movements. But I would say you have to say complicated compared to what? Like that's very important. Because mm -hmm. the CrossFit in general is quote unquote complicated compared to what I did for most of my life working out 
bodybuilding style where I'd go to, I would literally go to the Gold's Gym in my town. I would sit on every machine. So that requires zero balance, zero agility, zero coordination. I'm not even supporting my own midline, you know, the apparatuses. And then I grab whatever the handles are for a single joint movement that I don't have to engage my brain. And I don't even have to think about the range of motion being proper because the machine forces the range of motion. It is completely devoid of those neurological components, the coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance. So now if we look at what seems to be simple movements in CrossFit, deadlift, squat, thruster, uh, maybe a, a hang power clean, a single under, rowing on the concept two, uh, a kettlebell swing, all of those movements that are none of the ones that were mentioned in the initial question have a huge demand of neurological components compared to the overwhelming majority of what I did in my previous life working out. So getting back to this athlete's question, you're probably doing more beneficial, complicated uh, movements that have to have your brain engaged to your body while you're doing them. Even if you're not walking on your hands, you're going to get a bunch of that benefit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, lots of things in there that, that you said. I, I think it is interesting to note that there's that range of complexity, right? Compared to your average Globo Gym routine where you're sitting and laying down most of the time, CrossFit is complicated. But if you take a look at many, many sports, most of them, I, I mean, you could probably say almost all of them, they're going to contain components that are way more complicated than the hardest CrossFit sure lift sure you know people want to put some of these things on a pedestal like the snatch is uh, i've talked about that already but um you know people look at this and it, it kind of gets um deified in a way where it's like oh it's the the fastest lift and the most complicated lift and you're like yeah okay fair enough but in the scheme of things the amount of skill it takes to perform a snatch pales in comparison to some of the most basic movements you're going to do in other sports um so it's always going to exist on the range there. And, and I guess, again, to me, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can kind of codify the value of an exercise. Um, Mike Bergener's got his list and other people have, have created this list. And a lot of them usually start with, hey, are your feet on the ground? Are you supporting your own weight? Mm. How many joints are involved in the lift? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can kind of create a hierarchy of importance that way. Lots of people have done that. Um, that can be kind of a fun way to play around with uh, creating importance for different movements. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about the individual, I think it comes down to what is your current skill set? And then how do I just try to creep that forward a little bit? And if you have a skill that's already refined, you know, you know how to snatch. Well, the obvious answer is I try to do a little bit more weight or I do it with a little bit more repetition or whatever. You stress one of those other elements. Um, if the skill is not that refined yet, well, then you've got a lot of different ways that you can play it where you're starting to learn the lift and smooth it out. And that same, same principle goes for something that seems unrelated like a handstand walk. So for example, if, if I don't have the ability to kick up on my hands and just start motoring across the room, the response isn't, well, I throw up my hands and say, I'm never going to get there. And it's probably not useful for me as an athlete. The response is, okay, well, what skill do I have? Well, I can hold a plank. Mm -hmm. That seems pretty comfortable. I can balance with both feet and both hands on the ground. Can I balance with one? 
Can I start to move? Maybe I you know, tap the shoulders left and right. Can I increase the difficulty of that by raising my legs off the ground a little bit? Can I get eventually to maybe a position where I'm supporting myself against the wall in a handstand? Can I then start to shift my weight hand to hand uh, in that context and on and on and on? And there's an infinite level of progress that can be made incrementally towards the handstand walk. And you may never ever get there, but the point is that by going through that process, you begin to accelerate the benefit of those skills. And again, I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of beating the dead horse, but that to me is the real reason to include these in your program. It's not to get to the flashy stuff so that it's like, yep, check the box. I got the skill. Yep. It's that you are pursuing the skill and you reap the benefit from that. You know, I live this life that you're describing. I live this life that John's question was, is around. And, you know, if you find some hard things that you can't do, chances are you can find something really darn close that's appropriately hard and you'll get a tremendous amount of benefit for. I do not walk on my hands. I do not do handstand walks. I do not do handstand push-ups, and I haven't for years just because of my old horrific broken shoulders from a motorcycle wrecks in the military. Like my, You know why there's no cool videos of me on Instagram with like a massive clean and jerk overhead, you will never see that because that is that is more destructive to my body than constructive to my body. Now, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. You've known me for a long time and, and you can probably attest to this. I am still an idiot, but I was uh, <laughs> a, a much a much more prolific idiot in my younger years. And I tried to force a lot of things that in hindsight, I should not have forced and I should have modified or abandoned earlier than I did, but dang it, that was what was prescribed. And mm -hmm. Diane's got handstand pushups in it. And I don't care that it makes my neck feel terrible. And I'm in some horrific, like overarched, terrible position that nobody would want to be in. That's what was prescribed. So darn it, that's what I'm going to do. I wish I had a time machine to go back and just realize, hey, you know what, knucklehead? For you, Diane is maybe a uh, a dumbbell shoulder press or a dumbbell push press paired with a deadlift. That's your Diane. And you guess, guess what? You're going to get wonderfully fit from it and you're going to feel good and your body's going to feel good and it will serve you well for years. So CrossFit, it's not just one thing and it's not just the workout of the day and it's not just this iron box that is unyielding. It's in my mind, the methodology what makes it so beautiful and powerful and and truly available to anybody is it is this this like base layer that you can mold to whatever you have going on mm -hmm. and you know nothing works for crossfit better than an ice cream analogy so i'll give you that so <laughs> you know uh you know part of my amazing human performance is the fact that i love ice cream and uh when I first met my wife, she saw that I had this passion for ice cream. So one of her first gifts to me was a homemade ice cream maker and a Ben oh, & Jerry's sweet. ice cream recipe cookbook. And I was like, yeah, she's the one. I mean, she sealed the deal right there. <laughs> but in this Ben & Jerry's ice cream recipe book, which has like 50 of incredible flavors, everything starts with this sweet cream base. And then from the sweet cream base, you can go in any direction that you want, but you kind of start with this base. And so as wacky as this analogy as that is, I kind of see CrossFit as that base from which you can go in 
400 different directions, but that same base layer, that same foundation serves you well for your recipe that works well for your life and your joints and your health and all of that kind of a stuff. And and I do exactly like what you said. When, when Diane comes up, I might do dumbbell shoulder press, but I might put my feet up on a box. So I'm kind of like in a uh, elevated push-up position and do shoulder taps. And with my terrible shoulders, those are really, really hard for me, like in, astonishingly hard. But that's but they're appropriate. And since they're appropriate and since they're so darn hard, that's also why they're so beneficial to me. So I would just encourage everybody, CrossFit is a very flexible and accommodating methodology, but the big pillars are there. Variance is there, functional movements are there, and intensity is there. And those three things really define CrossFit, even if you're not doing a half dozen of the movements that seem to be very popular. Yeah, exactly. And I, one last thing I'll, I'll add on that is, you know, I've got this 100 Words of Fitness poster behind me, which I think everybody should be familiar with. I, I, it's one of the most succinct mm-hmm. descriptions of a total training program that I've ever seen. And I, I still think it rings true to this day. Um, point being is that there's some phrases within that 100 words that I think people often either choose to omit or pretend that they aren't there at all. And one of those is regularly learn and play new sports. Mm. And so if you think about that for a little bit, it's not because the idea is I'm going to go out and dominate at all these different sports. I'm going to be so fit and so capable. I'm just going to be a multi-sport athlete. No, the benefit is that when I am introduced to something that I don't currently have as part of my routine, it forces me to develop that skill on the fly or the skill of being able to react on the fly right. and take what I do have and apply it in different ways it that, that take you. me yeah they take me out of the normal patterns that I might be seeing in the gym day to day and all of a sudden I get this new dimension of fitness that is opened up to me um, both in that I can apply what I have and I gain something from pursuing an activity that's outside of the normal uh, the norm of what I'm already doing so in the same way if you have a pretty narrow number of skills that you're doing currently, maybe you're learning and playing new sports, quote unquote, is, okay, I'm going to once a week for the next month, you know, engage in a gymnastics practice that is very, very basic, but it's going to take me outside of the norm of what I'm currently doing. And again, the end state is, and I've got a tumbling routine at the end of it, but it is, right. I've taken myself away from, <laughs> from kind of the routine that I've now developed around these movements I'm comfortable with. Yeah, so make, make smart decisions. CrossFit is still CrossFit, even if you have to modify it a little bit. Absolutely. We're all on our own personal fitness journey, but those big pillars of variance, functional moves, and intensity, you've got them, even if you've removed, even if you've removed a couple of things. So, but John, that was a fantastic question. As, as we always say, we read the questions. So make sure everybody heads on to the BTWB YouTube channel, post your thoughts. What do you think about, you know, now you know what Adrian and I think about this, but what's your thought on, you know, are there some kernels that you just have to have and without it, you're not doing CrossFit or are there some movements that you've had to eliminate and what have you replaced them with? And I'd love to hear that discussion as well. 
So as always, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood. Thanks for watching or listening, and we will see you next time.